0: welcome to glendalecc.org and to the glendale christian ky podcast and thank you for joining us for another week of our sermon series how to this week executive minister brother mike bell talks about how to live a life that pleases god thanks for listening we hope you enjoy good morning i'm so glad that we could be together today and that we can share together and worship and uh you know uh Brother Jeff's been doing a sermon series on how to, so we're going to pick that up today, and and how to live a life that pleases Christ, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And Ava, I can see you around here sometimes, you know, but uh, we uh, we're we're going to be talking about that, and and you know, uh, a lot of the things in my Christian journey I have trouble with because, uh, like you, I don't like criticism. Anybody here appreciate criticism? No. Uh, I, I I heard a story about a a doctor that was a surgeon and he got called to the emergency room night uh, about two o'clock in the morning and he went in the emergency room and his son kept in his, in his pajamas and he gets in the emergency room and the doctor in his uh, uh, white jacket uh, that's on call says the resident says just like a surgeon they're just so they're just so not worthy not thinking they just don't give patient care and so 2 days later the same surgeon is at a banquet and uh, he's called again to the emergency room and there stands the same doctor the same resident in this different white jacket i'm sure in a white jacket and he says man that guy can't take criticism well I, I have a hard time with criticism. Do y'all? Sure you do. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the election today, we won't even go there. But I, I was reading uh, this past week about uh, the uh, Gettysburg Address and the Chicago Times said that uh, after Lincoln's address, it said these words, the cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, far or fat and dishwatery utterances of the man who has been pointed out to the intelligent foreigners as the president of the United States. Now, you know, the criticism that is always there is something that we deal with and that we see constantly. And and, and I'm not good dealing with criticism, I'll tell you. But in the Scriptures, I saw the Apostle Paul was. And I wanted to see how Paul dealt with it and how Paul was seeing that. But not only criticism. Now, I like a little flattery once in a while, you know. Craig, how was uh, how was uh, diving? Uh, hurricanes bother you? No, nah, don't worry about it. Craig, who's the greatest preacher you know and why am I? You know, we all like a little flattery, unjust flattery gets us where. Well, Paul was dealing with this, and would you go with me to the Scriptures, and we're going to see how Paul dealt with in the world that he was living and in the things that he was doing, how he was dealing with the criticism that was coming because the people were criticizing Paul and the disciples were the Judaizers. Now, Judaizers were the people who thought that... uh, Christianity was okay, but it ought to be stayed as a sect of the Jews, that it couldn't go any further than just with the Jews. So the Judaizers were really criticizing and really doing all kinds of things to destroy Christianity. And Paul writes these words. You know, brothers, that our visit to to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of God or with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. Nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men but God who test our heart. You know, we never use flattery, nor we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise of men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings. We ask your presence. We ask, oh Father, that the words that we speak today may be your words. We pray, Father, that the ears may hear the words and may respond to these words. We pray, Father, that we may be committed to living a life that is not seeking to please men, but seeking to please you. Father, we come this day hoping to make our life stronger and more beautiful in you. Father, send your Holy Spirit upon us and help us in our journey. Well, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, I want to ask you, how do you live a life that's pleasing to God? And the Scriptures are very clear. As Paul was talking to these people, he was talking about the Judaizers, he was talking about the competition that they were having, he was talking about the opposition, the things that, were going, that was going on, and, and he was telling them, and other places he tells them, how they might please God. And the focus of your life is that you need to live to please God. And you know, if you make that your focus, whatever you commit yourself to is what you'll become. So if you commit yourself to being a person who is pleasing God, that's what you're going to be. But how do you do that? How do you go about that? How do you start that? Well, Paul's very clear in that. He tells them in the very first place that you know that we uh, never uh, went to flattery or used flattery, nor did we put on any mask to cover up uh, greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. So the first thing that we got to do is look that we're not looking for praise from men. And it's very difficult not to be wanting to be praised by men. But when we realize that we're serving and we're living for God, then that changes the whole focus. Paul wasn't concerned about those people. Paul wasn't concerned about the opposition that he got because Paul realized that my life isn't focused on you. My life is focused on God, and I want God to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do you want that? then how do you go about it? Paul says you focus on God. You make God the main focus of your life and then you're not going to be worried about these people. The second thing he says that we're not trying to please people, we are putting God as the test of our hearts. He's there. And God knows our motive and God knows what we're doing and God is saying, I want to follow that or I want that. So how do I go about that? Very simple. Two things I'm going to give you today, and these two things I hope that you'll take with you uh, because I think they mean a lot, and you know they're going to mean a lot. The first thing, to please God, you've got to live a life of integrity. Now, integrity. What are we talking about with integrity? Paul, he knew a life was with integrity. Paul said, "...for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives." Nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Integrity is that we are speaking as individuals that have been approved of God. That our words would be okayed and stamped, a Duncan Hines stamp, uh, that they have been approved of God. That our yeas are yea and our nays are nay. in Integrity. And integrity is not something that's just on the surface people see. Integrity is the heart. It's what's in you. It's what responds and what you respond to. <coughs> the Toronto Daily News did a, uh, a survey of garages. And they took a car and they took one spark plug off. And they went to several different garages. The garages varied in price from two hundred to two thousand dollars to repair, and uh they ended up at the seventh garage, and they took the car in, and the man said, uh, "Well, I'll tell you honestly, uh you got a spark plug wire off, and I put it back on. Well, what do I owe you? You don't owe me a thing." He said, "What do you mean I don't owe you anything he he you you fixed my car he said, well." I'll be honest with you, I do everything to the glory of God and uh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. I'm not some radical religious person, but at the end of the day, I want God to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I serve as every customer was here sent by God and I serve that way. The editorial comment the next day, well done, thou good and faithful servant, a true mechanic who serves for the glory of God. I would love for somebody to say at the end of my, my journey, Well done, thou good and faithful person, because you have served for the glory of God. I want my yeas to be yea and my nays to be nay, but in a world and a spin that everything is being spun to the way that people want, we do half truths. We do innuendos in a world that is not out here, that is forthright. And we who are Christians are being a part of that too. Brothers and sisters, our yeas have to be yay. We have to be people of integrity. And when people deal with us, they don't need to have to have 25 lawyers and 35 counselors. They need to be able to understand that we're dealing with them. And I'm not telling you, not to go into business using lawyers and and that. What I'm telling you is that when somebody deals with you, you be honest and forthright, and you do the best you can to exemplify God in your business. Do you understand? We need to show God in everything that we do. I love the story. Many, many years ago in Washington, D.C., there was a girl by the name of Roselle, Rosalie Elliott, and Rosalie Elliott was a 7th grade uh, student in the National Spelling Bee, and they asked her to spell a vowel, and she was from South Carolina, you know, South Carolina, and she's South Carolina, and she spelled a vowel, A-V-O-W-E-L, and uh, uh, the the judges didn't know if she said E-L or A-L, and so they conversed amongst themselves, and they tried to see... Uh, What was the right answer that she gave? So finally, the the head judge said to her, Rosalie, spell the word again and tell me the letters. And she did. And he said, was that an A or an E? And she says, that's an E. And he said, that was wrong. She says, I know it. Now, Rosalie knew that. Rosalie walked off the stage that day in Washington, D.C., as the loser of the National Spelling Bee but she got a standing ovation because Rosalie that day showed a great integrity that no matter what the competition no matter what the uh, pressure her words were going to be truth and she spoke them I want to have that kind of integrity and I want to be the kind of person that when I tell you something that's the way it is and that's the way it's going to be And I think that what Paul's saying to us this day that we as people have to be people that are integrity and that we say and we do not just on the outside but on the inside also that we're people who are God's people who are living a life that reflects God in our daily walk and in our daily do. The next thing that I think that we do to show that that we are people of integrity and live like God wants us to be is that Paul said that we've got to be people who love man I love it in the scripture where he says we're like a mother who nurses her child you know I love you all and brother Jeff stands up here every week and tells you he loves you I love it that I have been privileged to say for many years with you when you've had the good times and the bad times I I relish and remember great times of standing with you in the hospitals and the funeral homes in the hospital in the birth of a child I've stood with you and I've seen your joys and I've seen your heartaches I love you dearly and to us the only way that we can be true Christians and truly care for one another is to weep with one another, rejoice with one another, and truly and honestly love one another. And loving one another means that I love you in spite of your faults. Not that any of you have faults, you know. But I love you in spite of that. And one of my favorite stories... How many of you all saw the movie Lincoln? Man. You all see that movie. It's a great movie. But the movie is really about Thaddeus Stevens. And Thaddeus Stevens is a great story. Thaddeus Stevens, in 1821, Thaddeus, i got to stand up a second. In 1821, Thaddeus, Thaddeus, in 1821, Thaddeus Stevens uh, was a lawyer for a slave owner and a slave by the name of Charity, Butler had run away and Charity Butler was being returned to her owner, but she was in a free state and Thaddeus Stevens became the lawyer of the slave owner and Thaddeus Stevens ordered uh, uh, argued the case and uh, He won the case and it was a great case and he, he had done a great job of winning it but Thaddeus Stevens felt horrible for winning that case And Thaddeus Stevens ran for Congress and was elected seven times to Congress. Thaddeus Stevens was the direct responsibility of getting uh, two amendments passed for slave rights and voting rights for slaves. Thaddeus Stevens was a great man for the slavery or anti-slavery movement. But yet, in 1821, he had this case for... Charity Butler but it hurt him and it changed him and I told you in the very beginning if if you pursue something you become that right if you focus and pursue something that's what you will be and Thaddeus Stevens focused that he wanted to undo what he did in that and he did and in 2002 they were remodeling his house and they were tearing part of it down and they found a secret passage that Thaddeus Stevens was one of the members of the Underground Railroad. Thaddeus Stevens put into action what he believed and what he saw and what he knew. And that's what the love that moves us to do, that it puts into action those things that we want and those things that we believe in. Do you believe in your brothers and sisters in Christ? Then stand with them. Stand firm with them. And, and, and commit yourself today that you're going to make your life effective for Jesus. I have said in my life that I want to do something a little different. And so every day I get up now and I say, what can I do or how can I live today to make God look good? And you say, man, that's stupid. God is good. But I realize that some people the only God they're going to see is the God I reflect as I go out in the world. And I want to challenge you that every day you ask yourself the question, what can I do today to make God look good? Say that with me. What can I do to make God look good? What can I do to make God look good? Say it, come on. What can I do to make God look good? Now, every day, you say that to yourself. And when you go out, you reflect Jesus Christ. And you show the world that you really love them and that you really care, that you make a difference for Jesus Christ. What can I do to make God look good? How can I serve Him that He's going to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How do you live for Jesus Christ? You be a person of integrity. And you be a person that people will gossip about and people will say all kinds of untruths about you. But it's untrue. You be a person who truly loves one another. Not a person who rejoices in somebody else's problems. That you say, by the grace of God, I'm not going in that direction you be a person that is showing god to the world what can i do to make god look good today would you commit that jesus christ is your lord you're going to serve him and you're going to seek to please him i believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god and i know you do too and so let's go forth in this house showing the world your belief and that jesus christ is the Redeemer of the world. Amen? Amen. Let's go forth. Amen.